Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Station. The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. We are set to close up shop for the week. My name is Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter always at jmartzone. I say it every night and my voice is about 80%, a little bit better. Pollen still got me down, but nothing's going to keep me down for too long. And that's because I am so blessed with unmerited, undeserved favor. I just can't believe the opportunities that I have, including this one, to sit behind this microphone and speak to all of you. If it's a conversation that you want to have, I hope that you recognize just how blessed you are as well. If that's a conversation that you'd like to have in deeper detail, if you've got any kind of questions or comments, you can always hit me up on Twitter at jmartzone. My DMs are wide open. That is a conversation I will never turn away because I am not here without the grace of God. And so with that said, it has been an exciting week. We had to put a bow on the NFL draft. We've definitely talked a little bit of NBA on this program. Some heavy-duty stuff may get into Tyreek Hill. I'm not sure we're going to do that tonight or not, but certainly that story got a little bit more complicated yesterday. Still doesn't look good for Tyreek Hill, at least not from my perspective. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse. Also coming up, 6.35 tonight. Final chance to win an entry into the Titans 5K coming up on May the 12th, which is going to be a, it's going to be a great event. You get to end on the 50. Good charity for young women in sports that's going to benefit from this thing, and we'll give you a chance to get yourself a free entry into that event coming up at 6.35, so stick with us for that. Also coming up later on in this show, Ryan Glassbeagle who covers sports media for the big lead. friend of mine, he will join me. lot to talk about with the Monday Night Football booth, with Dan Patrick opening up about his mental health issues, um, just dealing with depression and also just other health concerns. Plus, I'm going to talk to him about WWE ratings because it affects television ratings as a whole. And there is a fascinating story uh, that goes along with the way that Vince's ratings are tanking and how it could affect other properties and other networks who now kind of might even have buyer's remorse before the thing actually gets onto their network. So all of that is still to come. I'm going to lead off somewhere that I doubt pretty much anybody else probably did. And I've talked about this before, but maybe only one other time. And so Tiger Woods is going to visit the White House on Monday, and Virginia has said that they are not going to for logistical purposes. I didn't read too deeply into it. I just want to put this back out here. If Tiger Woods wants to visit the White House, that's that's great. That's fine. It would be awesome if you could do that without the world knowing about it. Because I find that far too often, 
We are concerned about other people and what they think and then judging them based on those thoughts. I don't care whether or not you like the current president, the past president, any presidents. It doesn't affect my day-to-day living. As long as it's okay for me to have my opinion, you're free to have yours. I think the White House visits need to become a thing of the past. And this is what I've laid out before. Because it forces people that don't necessarily have to take a side on an issue to either take a side or to, by not going, even if there's no reason behind it, it's it still opens up this line of thinking for those that make a living on outrage. And that is pretty much what social media is. This morning when I was on Fox Sports Radio hosting alongside Jonas Knox, we came back from a break with Rage Against the Machine, and I joked, uh, Rage Against the Machine or Zach De La Roca, their lead singer, is what Twitter would be if it were a person. Because it's a bunch of political extremes and things that make no sense that don't have much background in fact. It's just an outrage machine. And that's what social media becomes. And when the Warriors didn't go to the White House, then that became a story. And Max Kellerman went on ESPN and he talked about those that do decide to go to the White House. That needs to become a story. They need to be held accountable for going to visit this president. I mean, that gives away what Max Kellerman's politics are. I don't really care what Max Kellerman's politics are. I don't care what Stephen Curry's politics are, Kevin Durant's, or Draymond Green's, or anybody else's. It's not something that I let define me, and I don't think it needs to define anybody else. And so, the invitations to the White House, which kind of came back under Ronald Reagan, they made sense from a, hey, you want to honor these people for doing these wonderful things in sports. But at the end of the day... There's not really any benefit except going to the White House if that's a thing that you want to do. It is a recipe to allow just opinion mongers on both sides to run wild. You get behind the guys that don't go to the White House if you don't like the president. You hate the guys that go to the White House if you don't like the president. All of this just creates a bunch of vitriol that doesn't need to exist. We don't need to place athletes in a position where they have to make this decision. If they want to come out onto their social media, or even in a press conference, or in their public life, and go ahead and say what they think politically, then that's up to them. That's fine. If you want to do that, you take the risk or the consequences that come along with that, because you know as soon as you make a political opinion, half the country is going to disagree with you. Some of them are going to disagree with you vehemently and all of a sudden not like you anymore. And that's unfortunate, but it's just the way it is. The old adage that you don't talk about politics and religion in mixed company. You do if you can have a respectful discussion, but so often we can't. And I think that that's one of the problems with social media is it has made it increasingly difficult to have nuanced conversations and actually learn from one another. If you sit across from somebody that doesn't agree with you, you can learn from them. If nothing else, you can learn what their position is. You can let them defend it and you can say, okay, All right, well, I see where you got to this conclusion from this thesis, from this hypothesis, instead of, you know, whatever the verbal vomit is that's coming out on whatever news station it is that backs your worldview. But generally speaking, it's just not a great idea to force people into a box and to make them take a stand on something that otherwise they wouldn't have to. When you give an invitation to the White House, that is right there. You have to say yes, and you have to say no. 
And then the people that want that yes and no to mean something can take that and they can run with it in different directions. So Tiger's going to go. Cool. So Virginia's not going to go. Cool. That's my reaction to it. But unfortunately, that's not the reaction of most that have a dog in this fight. This is not me talking about the current administration or the past administration. This is not a political discussion. This is saying get your politics out of my sports when it comes to I don't need to make a request that is going to force an answer that might put guys into an opinion they don't otherwise have. Maybe they go to the White House because they don't care that much. Either way, it doesn't affect their lives. Maybe they have a staunch opinion. If they do, if they are very, very vehemently political, they're probably going to tell you so. And they're going to do so in a different way, and in a different fashion, in a different manner, from a different locale. It doesn't need to be done this way. But there are guys on all these teams, and you know this, that either go or don't go and don't really think twice about it or just don't want to be out there publicly with whatever their political beliefs are. And so this is an antiquated thing that just doesn't need to happen. First of all, hopefully there are more things going on in the world that are more important than celebrating athletic achievements. If you want to make a phone call to a team... That's cool. You know, if if Trump or Obama or Clinton or Bush or anybody else wants to make a phone call to a team that just won a national championship and say, hey, congrats, Tony Bennett, or, you know, congrats, Muffet McGraw, or whoever it might be, whatever sport it might be, that takes, what, two or three minutes out of your day just to say that? And that's pretty cool. But inviting everybody to the White House and turning it into this big deal, all it does is allow for outsized just garbage to come from all directions. And I haven't seen it that bad this time around. The Virginia story made a little bit of rounds. I didn't, like I said, I didn't even look into it. I just said, okay, well, Virginia's not going for logistical reasons, whatever. And Tiger Woods is going to go on Monday. Cool. I think that should be the reaction because it doesn't affect our lives whether or not they go to the White House or they don't go to the White House. I just don't think it's a necessary thing to do because it forces opinions out of people that might not have opinions or might not want to share those opinions. And we have enough opinions in this world as it is. So the White House visits are a thing that, look, we do a segment on this show from time to time called Why Is This a Thing? We could have easily played that Annie Lennox underneath this. I don't know why this is a thing anymore. The White House visit is just a way to cause problems at this point. Tiger Woods going and maybe even playing around with Donald Trump, if that's what he wanted to do on Monday, that would be fine. And look, even if they took photos, but the problem is they take photos and it becomes a public thing, then all of a sudden it's a political thing. It can't be apolitical. It can't be anything other than tacit endorsement or the opposite when you make that decision. I just don't like the connotations that come alongside that and what it enables those that have an agenda to do on all sides. It was true under Obama, it's true under Trump, whoever it is that succeeds Trump, whether or not that's in 2020 or whether or not that's in 2024, it's going to be true then too. And I know this is not necessarily on the pulse today of the most exciting things that are happening in sports, but the most exciting thing that happened in sports last night was Joel Embiid went off and Kyle Lowry was a minus 28 plus minus rating for the Raptors in a 21 point thrashing at the hands of Philadelphia. I wasn't going to do a full segment on that to open this show. And so this is something that I do think bears importance.
we shouldn't pay attention to who's going to the White House and not, but there are far too many people in the media, in the sports media, that cheer and go the opposite direction depending on their political persuasion. And the more politics that we have, the less accommodating a society we're going to have, it seems like. Because social media has seemingly made this so much more toxic, and all we hear from are the extremes on all sides, the benefits at this point are almost nil when it comes to why you would or why you wouldn't go to the White House. It's bad either way, because somebody's going to be upset. So just stop asking. Don't make people take a stand they otherwise don't want to take. The ones that want to take a stand, as I said a couple of minutes ago, they're going to be out there, and they're going to say whatever they want to say anyway. It's not like Michael Bennett wasn't going to find a platform to say what he wanted to say, or Colin Kaepernick wasn't going to, or Tim Thomas when he didn't go to the White House under Obama and when he was a Tea Party member. Like, all of that stuff. Those guys are going to get those opinions out there because it's important to them. I still think there are more players on these teams where it's not important or where they'd just rather keep that private. And if they want to do that, then we should allow that by not doing these sweeping invites that force a decision that otherwise wouldn't have to be made. That's me on my soapbox. When we come back, I will bring in Ryan Glassbeagle of the big lead. We'll talk about Monday Night Football. We'll talk about Dan Patrick. We'll talk about a lot of things going on in media, in television, in streaming. There's just a lot going on. Plus the AAF. My goodness. How bad was that organization run? How toxic, that's a word I've now used twice in this segment, how toxic, now three times, was that environment, the fraud involved, the money lost, it is a disaster. We'll talk about all of that with Ryan Glassbeagle. You will enjoy that conversation. And remember, 635, your chance to get in the Titans 5K, which is upcoming later on this month. Stick around. This is the Big Six on 104. Welcome back, Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone, finishing up the week. My name is Jason Martin. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renters Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. We bring in Ryan Glassbeagle of The Big Lead. You can follow him on Twitter at Sports Rapport. That's R-A-P-P-O-R-T. Ryan, what's up, man? Not much, not much. It's Friday. Um... We're finally getting some nice weather in Chicago. I'm excited for the weekend. How about you? Uh, well, I've been sick all week with pollen allergies, and I still am, and my voice is barely alive right now, but I do like the weather technically when I'm looking out the window, but the yellow on my car has made it a little bit less than enthused, at least how I feel right now. Hopefully we're getting past sort of the worst of it. So I saw the piece that you put out this morning, and I can lead off with that. I think there's a lot of places we can go here, but... What's going on with Bob Lee? Like, you wrote that in the article. I, I mean, he took six months off, and now it's indefinite. What exactly is going on here? You know, I really don't know. It's um, I started to just get, like, for people who don't know, I cover the media. Like, I, tr- I cover ESPN and, like, Fox Sports and stuff like that. Like, those entities cover sports. And I started to get a little bit of a spidey sense about probably maybe mid to late March where it's like, okay, his sabbatical is allegedly coming to an end for April 1st, but there hasn't been any type of announcement celebrating his return. And then 
April came and went with nothing. And then today I um, learned and then ESPN put out a short, a statement shortly after that he's extending his time away from the network indefinitely. I, anything like in terms of like reasoning, whether it's just that he is like enjoying his time with his family or maybe like, I have no idea. Maybe he has some type of like misconceptions, not misconceptions, but uh, misgivings about how ESPN is handling news under the new regime. Right. I really don't know. Any like question that I, anybody would have is just speculation. I just know that ESPN announced today that he isn't returning right now and there's no timetable. It's, it's weird, but I mean, he's done it for so long. When He was one of the first employees at ESPN, yeah, like he, dating back to the seventies, right? He he um, arrived at ESPN on their third day on air, and he's been there ever since. So yeah, he he and like Chris Chris Berman was there for the launch. Bob Lee got there like that week, but yeah, he's basically like furniture there. <laughs> right. So I mean, maybe he's just maybe he just needs more time. I don't know. I hope it's. I mean, I hope it's good things, and it's not anything. You know that 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 would be a negative or anything, but I mean he's earned the right, I guess, to stay away. Another guy that was a longtime ESPN employee is Dan Patrick, and yesterday he's on the radio, he's talking about he's having some health issues with his joint pain and things like that. But this is also Mental Health Month, and so he went into depression. He talked about how he's been depressed and going into memory loss and things like that. This is a dude that has widespread respect among basically everybody in sports media for being not just good at his job, but great at his job and also great to his people. A lot of people believe that the Dan Patrick show still exists for the most part, just to make sure that Seton and Fritzy and McLovin and those guys have jobs and have places to work because Dan Patrick doesn't need this anymore. Like he doesn't need to do a daily radio show. He could easily just Brock Lesnar, this thing, take his money and go to Montana and hunt for the rest of his life. But I know he still loves it, but there are times when it just feels like he is doing something more for other people than he is for himself. So this was a pretty candid moment yesterday when this all came out. I totally agree with that. I mean, he I, I had no idea he was going through all of this pain, and he really did come out and be candid about it. He had joint pain, and then he took a steroid for it, and the steroid caused like depression and memory loss and said... There were times where he medicated with Vicodin to play golf and with alcohol to go to sleep. And he said, like, all sorts of these things that were, like, very harrowing. But at the same time, like, a month ago, they just introduced this new studio, which looks incredible mm -hmm. and had to have cost AT&T millions of dollars. And so I saw that a month ago as a statement of strength and that he's here to stay and maybe even grow. And so it's like very interesting juxtaposition that happening then. And then this announcement coming yesterday, but thankfully it does sound like he's turned a corner. Yeah, it does. One thing that I saw that you wrote a couple of weeks ago, or I guess you wrote last week um, in the wake of the NFL draft, which was right here in Nashville, and I was among the 600,000. It's probably one of the reasons the allergies have gotten to me so much is because I was outside for the draft covering it. But you said that one of the things that may have made sense for why the ratings were up this year on TV, in addition to it being on broadcast, is that the atmosphere on TV made it inviting. Like, it made it something you wanted to see because it looked like New Year's Eve. 
it looked like some kind of a holiday here in Nashville, and believe me, that's what it was. Do you still kind of see it that way, that that's just sort of one of the underlying reasons is that it seemed like such a fun thing that people actually gravitated to it on TV? Well, I do, because, um, Jason, the first night of the draft was like down 2% year over year, which I think was like actually probably as good as the NFL could have possibly hoped because last year, as you remember, like there was a lot of star power in the first round. There was Baker Mayfield, there was Saquon Barkley, there was Sam Darnold, there was Josh Allen, there was Lamar Jackson. Those are five, by the time the draft came around, almost household names, and it's really rare where you get a draft like that. I think this year, maybe um, Kyler Murray and Nick Bosa were probably, I think, the only two household names in the first round. And then the aggregate effect of the draft over the three days was that it was up 5%. And I think that the fact that like everybody in Nashville is outside enjoying it, having a ball, the scenes of like the seas of people, it just means that like what you're watching has some stakes. Like, I don't know if you're like me, but when you see some of these like empty baseball games, you're wondering like, am I wasting my time watching it? If nobody wants to be there, I don't know if there's like any scientific proof to this, but I think that like engaged fans live translate to a more compelling television experience. Yeah, I think there's something to that. Ryan Glassbeagle with a big lead at Sports Report on Twitter uh, joining us right now. You wrote about ESPN, the magazine. They're about to be done doing the print publication. There's stuff out there about Sports Illustrated as well. I don't know what the future is for real print media, especially magazines like newspapers. That's been lamented, but newspapers, there's still some market there. Magazines seem to almost be archaic. Like I feel like I have to have a subscription to something. Like right now I have a subscription to The Economist, and I want to mm-hmm. believe that when that thing starts showing up next month, I'm actually going to read it. But I usually have like, I don't know, Entertainment Weekly, and then I don't read it or The Atlantic, and I don't read it, or whatever it is, and I don't read it. What is the future here? Like, is print is print just basically about done for now because of the tablets, because of everything that's available for you behind paywalls, and sometimes for free, like The Atlantic, you can get basically the entire magazine for free on their website. So why exactly would you subscribe? Uh, well, I think The New Yorker is the one that is, maybe and wind up being like the sole survivor. I'm a subscriber to the New Yorker and look, I'll admit that it came this week and I'm like, Oh no, I haven't opened the last two yet. Like I just feel terrible about myself a because it's really good and B it's expensive. It's like a hundred dollars a year. So when I don't read it, I am like costing myself money. But then, then my dad who's in town hands me like a book to read last. I'm like, Oh great. (laughs) But I, I do still, I actually recently resubscribed to sports illustrated and basically there was like a deal for two years for like $25. And I was like, well, if there's two plane rides that this helps get me through Mm. over those two years, then I'll be pretty happy. And there was like a really good, story that I guess I missed online by Jenny Ventus about Webby on Bell and kind of going through all sides of his like contract dispute in a way that I hadn't read before that was actually really edifying. But to your point, I don't know how much longer 
Sports Illustrated is going to exist in print. Maybe it's going to go monthly or something, but it stinks that it's headed in that direction because the SI cover still means something. Like, Mm -hmm. it's still special. I know they do a lot of more regional things now, but, like, I'm a Bucks fan, and it was special for me that Giannis was on the cover a few weeks ago. And so, I don't know. I I hope for the best. They, They need, like, kind of their own Jeff Bezos to come in and buy it because this like brand holding company and whatever, like their plans appear to be is not in the best interest of the direction of that franchise. Monday night football, Tessa Torres coming back, Booger McFarlane going into the analyst chair. Peyton Manning says no, which I knew was going to happen. Uh, I had heard off the record. He had made a ton of money doing those detail episodes, an absurd amount of money doing that, but that's about as far into media as he wanted to go. You had to be turned down by that guy. You had to ask him just to see what he would say. But what do you think? I mean, obviously the Witten thing, that just didn't work. But do you like the idea of Booger McFarlane? Like, I was clamoring for Kurt Warner because I think he's gotten so much better both on radio and just everything that I've seen him do. I think he's a really affable guy that could have pulled this off. Maybe you couldn't pull him away from NFL Network and he didn't want to do it. Maybe they didn't want him. I don't know. But I looked at guys like Lewis Riddick. I looked at Ryan Clark. I looked at guys that I really liked at ESPN. Booger McFarlane seems to be a pretty good studio analyst. I'm not sure how it's going to translate to the booth. Now, he was better when he got out of the Booger Mobile, but how do you feel about Monday Night Football as we go into, you know, well, a few months before they're going to be on TV again, but but this new crew? Well, uh, the, I agree with you. Kurt Warner's really good, and I think that if they were planning on, like, setting a flag in the moon and saying this is our crew for the next three years or whatever, no matter what, he would have been a part of it. I mean, they would have had some contractual things to sort out with, like, NFL Network and stuff. But if they really wanted to, they could have figured that out. Uh, with Booger, I guess the best-case scenario is that maybe he winds up being like Chris Collinsworth, where I mean, Collinsworth was a pro bowler, but he wasn't this sort of, like, transcendent Peyton Manning figure as a player. And... Maybe with, like, Booger, you hope that he gets to that level where it's like he he settles into it and, like, really makes a big name for himself over the next 10, 20 years in there. But it's cynically, it does seem like they are waiting a year to see if they can win the, I mean, the Tony Romo sweepstakes. Um, Andrew Martian in the New York Post has been all over this saying that, Romo is a free agent after this season. He's making about three to four million now, yep. and he's going to be trying to command in the double digits for next year. And ESPN may be um, desperate enough to make a mark that they could, if not do it, push him that high at CBS. Yeah, I, if, I mean, if they want to pay him ten million dollars, I mean, he's worth it. I mean, he makes games that otherwise I wouldn't even want to watch, must see, just to hear him talk. He's got a Charles Barkley thing about him. It's not even an everyman. It's a passion and an excitement for the game, and you feel like you learn something. And I think that that always helps. We always feel like we learn something when you're on as well, Ryan. Hopefully we'll be able to uh, catch up with you again real, real soon, but we appreciate it. Enjoy the nice, improving weather in Chicago, which is a rarity. Thank you, Jason. Have me on any time. Appreciate it. That is Ryan Glassbeaker. When we come back, Tyree Kill. This story just will not go away. This is the Big Six finishing up on a Friday here on 104.5.
Welcome back. My thanks to Ryan Glassbeagle for joining me. Interesting conversation, as always, with him. All right, here's your opportunity. Final opportunity of the week to get in the Titans 5K, which is coming up Saturday, May the 11th. Now, you've got to register in person by 7.30 a.m. morning of the race. It ends on the 50-yard line. It's for charity. It's an awesome deal. Always a lot of fun. There's going to be Titans coaches and players, past and present, doing it. I might actually be doing it as well. I'm trying to do a 5 or 6K for charity every month for a myriad of different reasons. So here's your opportunity. Give us a call right now, 615-737-ZONE. That is 0663-737-0663. Fifth caller, 5K. That's it right there. Fifth caller wins your entry into the Titans 5K coming up on May the 11th. Good luck to you. Okay, so Tyree Kill in this situation. So his lawyer sent a four-page letter to ESPN yesterday. And in it, basically shifts all the blame to Crystal Espinal and away from Tyreek Hill. I'm just going to read part of this for you. Although Ms. Espinal claims in the secret audio to have never used a belt to discipline their child, Tyreek argued that she did, and she has admitted it to him. In fact, in text messages between her and Tyreek, she admits that she caused marks to their son's buttocks when she spanked him. Her texts to Tyreek after their return from Dubai include the following exchange related to spanking. And this is where it gets really interesting. Tyreek, Crystal, you know I didn't cause any bruising or harm to our son, but for some reason I still may be charged. Crystal, I know you didn't. I did. I hurt him. I'm the one that did it. I was hurt and mad at you for it, so I blamed you for everything. That is amazing. I'm not saying it's amazing because it's revealing. I'm saying it's amazing because human beings don't speak like that. Also, pretty incriminating is the fact, or not incriminating, but casting a little bit of doubt on the validity here. And hey, I don't know for sure. Maybe this is true. These are not screenshots of text messages. This is just straight up written into this letter. These are what these text messages say that we're not producing for you. And if you've ever heard the audio which they admit in this letter is Tyreek and Crystal Espinal that she secretly put this audio together when she was in Dubai and if you read into other reports she did it as kind of a safeguard as sort of something that could protect her in the case of who knows what because she was afraid of Tyreek Hill and you hear that story a lot Those that are being abused are told, hey, document this. Get it on tape as some kind of a just protection. But if you heard the audio and some of the things that Tyreek Hill said and the way in which he spoke, let me tell you what Tyreek Hill does not sound like. Someone who would use verbiage like, Crystal, you know I didn't cause any bruising or harm to our son, but for some reason I may still be charged. Now, because there's no screenshots of the text messages, you could infer that maybe this was like what he said to the lawyer and this is how the lawyer wrote it. But the way this is written makes it come across even more phony and manufactured than it might have otherwise. And lawyers are generally smart. And unfortunately, that's the problem with the criminal justice system. And I guess it's not unfortunate, but I don't know how you fix this. Because Tyree Kill deserves a defense like everybody else in this country. 
And if he's guilty of what he's doing, uh, what he's done, then you hope that that defense fails. But it ends up being who is the better lawyer and who can actually make their story pliable, plausible, real. Who can win that battle becomes the answer in a lot of these cases. And in domestic violence, I mean, and everything that he has said in the audio, you should be terrified of me. And again, they don't dispute that. Listen to this. Finally, Ms. Espinel claims in the secret recording that their son was terrified of Tyreek. That was another comment Tyreek was hearing for the first time, and he denied it. It is also an observation that is contradicted by eyewitness accounts. I don't know what that means. And even by Ms. Espinel herself, who states in text communications that their child's eyes light up when he sees Tyreek and even a blind man can see it. Again, no text communications are presented here. This is just what's written in. Or in Tyreek's words in the audio, my son loves me. But in the audio, she presses the point again. It was in that moment that Tyreek made the unacceptable comment to Ms. Espinel. Instead of denying that his son was terrified of him a second time, something that bothered him a great deal, he became frustrated and said she should be terrified too. That comment is inexcusable, of course, and he wouldn't ask me to defend that here. That comment is also inconsistent with Tyreek's conversations with Ms. Espinel over the past several months. So instead of saying, my son is not afraid of me, his response, because he was mad, was, yeah, you should be terrified of me too, insert the word for female dog. What? And also, it being inconsistent over conversations he's had with, over, uh, with her over the past several months, you know what it's not inconsistent with? Choking her for over a minute at a time and punching her when that same child was in her stomach pregnant that got him kicked out of Oklahoma State. Again, he deserves a defense. And it sure looks like his lawyers are going to go to bat for him. And Kansas City is not cutting him. They are trying to hang on to him with this miracle that maybe he can still play football. It's gross. I get it from their perspective, but I told you this on Monday. Tyree Kill is the cashmere sweater with the red dot from Seinfeld. It was bought on a discount because there was damage there. Maybe that damage wasn't ever going to have a problem, or maybe everybody would notice it and you could never wear that sweater again. Kansas City puts him back out on the field unless he is completely exonerated. And he's basically said he's not exonerated because this audio is authenticated. He wasn't entrapped. He said these things. It even says, well, we're not even going to try to defend the you should be terrified of me too, female dog. Because there's no defense of it. But the text messages, the fact that they're not actually here, it's just these are the following exchanges. I'm going to put this in print in Times New Roman 12. We don't have screenshots, but take our word for it. Tyreek, Crystal, you know I didn't cause any bruising or harm to him, but for some reason I still may be charged. Crystal, I know you didn't. I did. I hurt him. I'm the one that did it. I was hurt and mad at you, so I blamed you for everything. I mean, come on, folks. ESPN had that come on man for a long time. I guess maybe they still do. I don't watch pregame pretty much because it's not entertaining unless it's Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, Shaq, and EJ. But come on, folks. I mean, we didn't just fall off the back of a truck somewhere. That's not how anybody talks in text messages. Do you know how many people speak more properly or write proper English and are more proper in that frame than they are in their actual life? Tyree Kill sounds like a human being in interviews. He sounds like a human being. Have you ever seen a Tyree Kill interview? He talks like human beings talk. And then he sounds like a Rhodes Scholar 
in his text message communications? Again, I say, come on, folks. When we come back, another come on man. Ryan Tannehill, franchise quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. We'll be right back. Big Six, 104.5. Final segment of the week here on the Big Six. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can follow me there. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to helping homeowners benefit from the rental boom by renting their homes the easy way. Renters Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. Our thanks to Ryan Glassbeagle with a big lead. That was a great conversation. It always is. He does great work. He's at Sports Report, and that's R-A-P-P-O-R-T if you want to follow him on Twitter, and you should. i got to play some audio for you. You may have already heard this, and I'm not even going to set this up. I just want you to sit back and listen to this, and then... Then we will have a discussion. Cameron Wake, and look, guys, this is a, a contract year for Marcus Mariota. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, though, I, I do not think we can count him out when it comes to camp time. And there's a little bit of competition. That he, it's either going to turn out that Ryan's going to prove he can be a starter or he's going to push Marcus Don't Mariota. Don't steal my hot take, Diana. All right, here's, 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 you're, going, you're going with that? All right, well, here's your, here's your hot take. Because one thing I will tell you, which you know, is that Marcus Mariota entering his final year in his rookie deal, so no financial commitment yeah. after 2019. You would think this would be a big evaluation year. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to stay healthy. I believe that Marcus has the talent. It's whether he can stay healthy. And if by week eight, all of a sudden, he goes down with some kind of injury, Ryan Tannehill, as Mike and I know very well from our time in South Florida, will come in there and look really pretty and really good. And all of a sudden, he's going to be the type of practice player that is going to make the Titans believe that he could be their guy. I believe that ultimately the Titans will enter 2020 feeling like Ryan Tannehill is their franchise quarterback, not Marcus Mariota. Oh, that is a hot take. We'll All see right. if it works out. Mike? Uh, ag- agreed. Oh, I, you uh, agree? Agreed. I mean, you know, when healthy, he's been a starting winning quarterback. That is not hope. That's not conjecture. That's just the facts. When he's starting and he's healthy, he's a, he's a good quarterback. Can I put your feet to the fire a little bit on this? Sure. If you're the GM right now in Tennessee and you know Ryan Tannehill's on a roster, are you who are you going with Ryan or are you going with Marcus Mariota as your starter right now? Well, Mario is your starter. He's been there, but you know you also you need depth at that position, and they're in a good position because it's his job. Yeah, they got they got two they got two guys that they can win with. And you never know the competition. Look, competition affects people in different ways. Sometimes it's just what the doctor ordered uh, for quarterback. But both guys, it's going to be like a very quiet, subdued quarterback room. They're very they're going to be very polite. This is not going to be some like crazy fiery thing. But I'm just saying that Ryan looks really good in practice. He's an excellent practice player, and eventually, if Marcus struggles or gets hurt. This team is going to fall for Ryan Tannehill, just like every year in Miami. I know Miami fans got tired of hearing it, but every year, you, you know, Adam Gase, I remember him coming to me the day before that Ryan went down with that injury and said, man, I got 17 playing like a monster. <laughs> Coaches fall in love with him, and so will the Tennessee Titans. All right, speaking of a monster. When healthy, he's a winning quarterback. That's not conjecture. That's just the facts. He's 42 and 46 in his career. completion, not bad. 123 touchdowns to 75 interceptions is not awful either. What we know, and this is, you know what this discussion tells me? It tells me what I've said from the beginning. The fact that this is an actual thing that was said by a longtime executive in the league in Mike Tannenbaum and somebody with a good amount of respect as a reporter in Jeff Darlington, the fact that both of them agreed on this point tells me the same thing that I've always believed. Marcus Mariota is not the guy. 
He's going to get a chance to prove me wrong this year. And I hope he does, because I'd love for him to be the guy. I'd love for him to be here for 10 years and win a lot of football games and win playoff games and win Super Bowls. But Marcus Mariota, the fact that they're having a debate between him and Ryan Tannehill tells me he's not the guy, and nobody believes in him. Because Ryan Tannehill ain't the guy. Ryan Tannehill plus Marcus Mariota, they have the same knocks, right? When they're healthy, maybe they can be good. Sometimes they can be good. But the weirdest part of this argument to me is the one where they're going to fall in love with him at practice. There have been a lot of guys that are great practice players that can't do it on Sundays. And I'm not saying Ryan Tannehill can't do it. I'm saying he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Just like Marcus has struggled to stay healthy. And as a result, you have two guys who combined hopefully will get you through a season. You know what? I hope Marcus can play all 16 games. But can you believe the follow-up question? If you were in charge of the Tennessee Titans, you the executive, would you have Ryan Tannehill as a starter on day one? Heck no, you wouldn't. Then they just said, well, Marcus has been here for a while, so he's established. That's not exactly a ringing endorsement. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what the national media believes about this franchise and about its quarterback. There were a couple of weeks ago they did this deal where they showed first round draft picks at the quarterback position, whether or not they were booms, busts, or you don't know yet. And the booms included guys that I don't know that I would have put in the boom category because it's too early, first of all. And they haven't really won anything of note yet. But in the not sure category was like Mariota along with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, guys that are in their second year. Marcus is not going into his second year. That's why I look at it and say, we already know a whole lot. There's nothing that the Tennessee Titans organization doesn't know about what Marcus Mariota is capable of doing on the field. They have all the tape necessary. They have all the film necessary. Can he stay healthy? Can he throw outside the numbers more consistently if they ask him to do it at least? I would like to see more of that. Can he be a little bit more consistent on the short routes, the intermediate routes? He's a lot better downfield than he is inside of 10 yards, and that's a bit of a problem. But these discussions continue to be had. And a lot of times you say, well, the national media isn't watching this team, so they don't really know what they're talking about. Same thing with the Jack Conklin discussion. Even uh, Bill Barnwell, who's great at what he does, saying that he was pretty surprised that the Titans didn't exercise the fifth-year option. Well, that's because he's not really paying attention to Tennessee Titans football the way that people in this market are. At that money, from a financial standpoint, I heard Jim Wyatt say this. I heard Paul Kaharski say this. I said this yesterday independently as well. From a financial standpoint, this is exactly what the Titans should do. It doesn't mean he's done. It means right now they're not going to commit that kind of money to him. They can't buy in on Jack Conklin right now. And why should they? And the same thing is true of Mariota. This is a year, his contract year, where it's going to be determined whether or not you pay him. But to say that 2020 you're going to start with Ryan Tannehill, that sounds like one of those, what's the most outlandish take that you can put out here? We're going to do a segment called Ridiculous Takes. And that's then what Jeff Darlington put out there, that Tannehill is going to be the starter in 2020. The Titans are going to believe he's the guy. You've got to be kidding me. There are, we opened the show with a, why is this a thing? I could have closed this show with, how is this a take? Except that it doesn't really matter what you say in sports media anymore because it's either going to be forgotten or you're going to have so many more takes that follow it that you're not going to be held accountable for it anyway. But this is absurd. It's not like Tannehill can't play, but if he was good enough to be the starter for the Tennessee Titans that you would actually commit to, he would not have been available the way Miami made him available. And that is me making you smarter without a factoid.
We'll see you on Monday. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night.